Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang, it's Tim Weisberg. Welcome back in. Hour number three of the program here on Monday morning. And uh, it is President's Day. I'm here with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. We're going to be turning on the light. But, Jack, it is it is President's Day. It and, is President's Day. You know, it's... Uh, George a, Washington Day when we were growing up. Well, a lot, I was going to say, a lot of people don't like the fact that they have taken Washington's birthday and Lincoln's birthday and combined it into President's Day. But I think it's good because you have a day now that's honoring all presidents, even the ones that we don't like. But they're all, you know, kind of celebrated under this day, in addition to the, the births of Washington and, so, and Lincoln. I'll, I'll push back on that just a bit. Uh, I think George Washington was so far and away the greatest president that ever that we ever had. And the reason is that he set the example of he could have been king, and after two terms, he went home. And he said, this is going to be a democracy, and we're not going to have dictators who won't leave office which we, can, which we can especially appreciate now. And so I, I think I, I was, a, you know, as great as Lincoln was, um, Washington's birthday we always had off. We didn't have Lincoln's birthday off. Lincoln is, is, is in, in, indisputably the second greatest president. But, but um, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I liked it when they had their individual days. And, of course, the most important thing about President's Day is it's a, um, it's a day for reflection of, of the, the, the gravity of that role and, um, and, and what those men contributed to this country. And, of course, the most important thing, um, sales on cars and mattresses. <laughs> Absolutely. What, what else? We must, we'd have those sales. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Matuk, uh, the, the big betting place up in Fall River that used to be in New Bedford, always has their big sale in February where you can get very expensive um, sheets and towels and all that stuff for, for, for bargain basement prices. But I, I do think that, you know, for the folks who are wistful for the days when they had Washington's birthday as a separate day and Lincoln's birthday, they forget like what you were saying. You got one of them off, you didn't get both. So it's not like you lost, lost a holiday. Here. And President's Day to me has the implication that we should be 
celebrating Millet Fillmore and and um, I don't know uh, uh, Calvin Coolidge and and although Coolidge probably was not that bad a president, but um, Warren Harding, very bad presidents. You know they get included in President's Day. It reminds me of. Um, the Walk of Chancellors at UMass Dartmouth, where they have every chancellor that has served, no matter how short the term, some of them only a year or two. And it's the Walk of the Presidents, like the Walk of the, you know, as if these chancellors, many of whom were middle of the road, um, my latest UMass Dartmouth uh, creed, uh, they celebrate. I, I, I think it's President's Day, eh. I'll take Judge Washington's birthday. So what you're saying is you're not taking a few moments of reflection for Richard Nixon today. <laughs> well, Richard Nixon is someone we should reflect on, but not not in a good way. <laughs> so I, I do think, though, that when you look back at presidential history, as you said, you know, George Washington kind of set that example. Um, and for the most part, you know, with the exception of what happened during World War II and, and, and everything with, with Franklin Delano Roosevelt, we followed that and now it's actually been codified into, you know, what is what is the law. But it really was, it can't be overstated how important that was to even just not run for a third term when everybody was asking him to stay on for a third term, everybody except John Adams. But I think it was, a, a, you know, a very important thing. But it's also, as much as we give Washington credit for making that decision, I always look back at part of that decision probably came from the fact that he didn't want the job in the first place. Yeah, Washington was a, a unique character in that he did not seek um, political power. He obviously did want to become a great general, and, and he was trained for that in his early years. And, and he um, uh, was a very successful uh, business person, married up, as they say, uh, to the wealthiest woman in Virginia. Uh, you know... Uh, he, he was a, a great example of public service, p political office as public service. And it set a tone for the country that even Roosevelt had a hard time in the middle of World War II surpassing. I'm reading a book, um, Doris Kearns Goodwin's book on uh, uh, Franklin and Eleanor Roosevelt right now. And Roosevelt had to come up with the whole ruse where he got all these people planted in the party to ask him to do it, even though he was asking them to ask him to do it, you know, because it was not easy to break that tradition. And now, you know, and I know that that it's divisive to say anything about uh, President Trump, former President Trump, but we have not in my lifetime seen a president who desperately tried to hang on to office, you know, however, whatever you want to say about January 6th. And I believe it was an insurrection, but but we have not had a president that that, you know, so desperately tried to, to hang on to office after he had lost you know, it brings up an interesting question, age aside, obviously, but if Donald Trump won in November and became president again and then therefore had served his eight years, do you think that he would try to seek a third term? That's an interesting question. All he would have to do is, is change the Constitution, but that's not an easy thing. And you've got to figure the blue states would never agree to have to have, I think, it's either two thirds or three quarters of the states approving a constitutional amendment. Um, the, the way that many folks feel that he tried to do it on January 6th was to um, have to declare martial law because the country was in chaos. The people, the, the people were storming the Capitol, trying to interfere with the counting of the votes because they had no confidence that the, that the election was, was, was fair. And um, so he would have to declare martial law and stay in power. That's what a lot of the reporting around it has, 
has um, been about. But even if you did, how long would that really have lasted for? You know, you're just prolonging the inevitable. Well, I don't know. If he had to declare martial law and he could convince enough people that what was a legitimate election, according to the courts, was not legitimate, then maybe he could get them to declare a whole new election. I mean, you're in uncharted territory with with what he was trying to do. Uh, um, And I think the fact that a significant portion of the country, 35, 40 percent, whatever you want to say, you know, is persuaded of that. They'll, They'll point to things like Pennsylvania changing its voting laws during the pandemic and things like that. You know, that that are really, you know, the courts took a look at it. None of it rose to the level of throwing out the um, election. You know, uh, 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 you know, we have um, some challenges in this country around elections anyway. Uh, I think the Electoral College discourages faith in the people that every other office is, is the person with the most votes wins. But president is not. They say that's because we're a, um, a federation of, of, of very, very powerful local governments. But I, I think increasingly it's hard to justify, you know, why places that like Wyoming that have so few people living in them have just as much power as New York and California and Texas, uh, which have far more people. Do you, do you know what I think might be the, the good side effect of all of this discussion about the elections is maybe it gets more people to actually volunteer some time to, to be involved with these elections. Yeah, just the opposite seems to be the case. Although the 2020 election, you had more people voting than ever because they could vote by mail and and you could uh, do, we now have early voting, which interesting. Now, some Republican organizations are encouraging early voting, which actually, if you look at the history, Republicans were the first to do early voting, except they were doing it in Western states and rural states. And then it catches on in more urban and Eastern states and you have Trump railing against it, but but um, uh, there's, a, there's some evidence that the Republicans have lost some recent elections because they've so convinced their voters not to um, uh, vote early that they're losing all those voters that could have voted, you know, but didn't have the, the, the uh, ability to do so on election day. And uh, should remind folks while we're talking about that, that early voting for the primary starts in New, in New Bedford on Saturday. Yep. What was so, the joke uh, we should, uh, they used to say out of Chicago, vote early and often? Yes. And I, st- I still make that joke every single time I go and I early vote or I'll say, okay, I'll see you, see you again on the 5th. You know, like I, I try to make those jokes and I get the same yeah. face every time. Yeah, not, not funny, though, when you actually had an insurrection. <laughs> I know, I know. But it, it wasn't really funny either when I was doing it 10 years ago. So, All right, we have a call here on the line, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're on WBSM with Jack Spillane. Good morning. How you doing? How you doing? Doing all right. What's I just wanted you? to say, it, it should be studied, the Trump derangement syndrome that you guys have. It's funny. <laughs> It really is to listen to you guys sit there and banter back and forth about how much you hate Trump and how mean he is when he's the only guy that can save this country from the death well, you're, of your Your argument is invalid already because neither, right neither one of us said either of those things. Hey, how about you let me and, respond yeah, to what you're saying? Let me finish. I'm not finished. I haven't finished my comment. Well, I want, I want to stop you because you. you're putting out things that isn't true. Well, I am because you guys are talking and saying he was trying to steal the election and he was going to get a third term. Do you guys really believe that and change the Constitution? Even he said you couldn't change the Constitution. 
But that's what Trump was going to do. You guys, you just have this hatred for him. And if you just stand back and look at it objectively, I don't want to be friends with Trump either. He's a jerk. But he's the best guy for the country. And I don't know why you guys can't see that. I don't know why you can't really see that he's understand. the worst guy for the country. Okay, but four years ago, I was doing way better, and so was everybody oh, else. Oh, so it's all about you. It's all about how great you were doing, and not everybody as a whole. You weren't doing better four years ago? Your nope. money wasn't doing better? Food nope. prices weren't cheaper yet four nope. years ago for you? No. Okay, nope. keep lying and telling yourself that, guys. Have okay. a good day. Have a good one. Yeah, it's hard. It's, to, every Trump voter only really seems well, to care about themselves. You know, even when I broached this Trump thing, um, I, I knew that the country is so divided that even just to broach the subject and even to say that to say what is your conviction, you will engender people who will call and overstate what you actually said. Right. No, no Neither one, one of us said we hate him, although I, I think that he's an idiot. Well, I, I don't. I try not to hate anybody. That Those are my principles. Uh um, and I don't think either one of us said that he's mean, which uh, the caller said that we we both expressed some worries that he would try to run for a third term. No one said he could do it. I didn't even he, express he, any worries. I just asked if you thought that he would. Yeah, and I and I and I didn't say he definitely would. I said I I worry that he would try to because he's demonstrated uh, a willingness to ignore the law in a lot of cases. Um, and then the caller jumped right to Trump derangement syndrome. Which because is, that's the actual Trump derangement syndrome. Well, that it, the minute you hear any criticism of him, you have to call in. Yeah, and start. And it's a catchy, it's a catchy word. And, and there's no doubt that there are people who um, react reflexively to Trump and, and, and disagree with everything he says. I think a lot of things he says are true. I, I think, you know, early on during the Republican primaries in 2016, I thought he was saying a lot of things that needed to be said. Mm -hmm. But I, I think... Based on his behavior, it's, 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 it's pretty indisputable that he's not a stable personality and that he's a self-involved, narcissistic personality. I mean, just what's going on in Russia right now, I mean, encouraging Russia to in, in, invade parts of Europe over a, a dispute over who's paying their bills and who isn't. A, a man who was a demonstrated killer who has tried to poison and, and kill his own people you know, to, to play footsie with some, I mean, he's just not a stable personality. And I don't think that means you have Trump uh, derangement syndrome because you, you point that out. Uh, uh, you know, we have to be able to disagree, you know, even about very strong things and about things that we think are dangerous for the country without leaping to you hate Trump and you, and you uh, just are so mean, I want to say mean things about him. You know, I, 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 I mean, you know, Trump is an interesting personality. He's an entertaining personality. He's made a lot of money. I, I think, he ha you know, I mean, you can question the way he's made it, but, but he's, he's, um, well, he's state a of New York tenacious personality, a successful personality. But, you know, to, 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 to not say that he, he um, presents serious threats to the country, you know, and, and Biden... Uh, you know, has his own issues. I think the age issue is a legitimate issue. I think the issue of the border, you know, the way he's handled it has not been good. I think the Republicans are now demonstrating that they don't want to really solve the problem. But, you know, it's, it's, I think you have to be able to disagree without leaping to your evil. You're, 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 you're in Trump derangement syndrome. Like, you know, I, uh, that's the way I feel. 
All right. Well, we're going to take a break. 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and chime in or send an app chat message on the WBSM app. We'll be back. War with Jack Splane. We'll be turning on the light and talking about some local issues when we come back. And welcome back in. We are turning on the light with Jack Splane of New Bedford Light, who does have the column up now. Uh, we, we teased it a little bit last Monday, but you do have the column up comparing... Well, kind of looking at Barcelona and the way that they've handled the housing crisis there and the way that they've been able to have enough homes for people. I mean, I'm sure every place can benefit from having more housing built, but some are just more strategically able to handle that influx than other places are. Yeah, I mean, Barcelona has its own problems. I don't mean to to, to present it as perfect. They're being, um, it's a tourist city and they're being inundated with Airbnbs that have, uh, we have it with their housing market too. But when they built, uh, they're situated between two rivers and, and a mountain. So they only have a certain amount of land. And so when they had to, to begin to build up, which New Bedford probably has to do now, and even the suburbs have to have a little bit more dense development, um, they limited it to like nine or 10 stories. So you don't get these high rises that you get in like New York or Boston, uh, people living in them. You have these, these nine, 10 story buildings and these wide avenues where you have enough room for the transit, but also enough room for uh, uh, tree-lined uh, walkways and, and things like that. So it, it's a very livable city. And um, New Bedford is getting to do this, ready to do this multi-unit building. We have a 35, 52, 42. There were four, four multi-unit big housing things going up on Union Street in New Bedford. It's going to change Union Street forever uh, when those get done. Um, uh we're going to have them near the train stations, the Wales Tooth and the Church Street parking lot. If you look at the plans for those, that calls for dense development, calls for renovation of more mills. Uh, th- those, are, th- those are things that people say, well, there's no parking now in New Bedford. Where am I going to park? In Barcelona, they have a lot of underground garages. Some people have told me that ledge is a problem in New Bedford, but they're going to have to build garages or, or solve that problem because... We can't go on with just, you know, single-family houses as a solution to this housing crisis. We've got to build not not four or five hundred units as we're building this year, but as the New Bedford Light story by Grace Ferguson showed last week, we need to build somewhere between seventy-five hundred and ninety-five hundred units in the next ten years in in New Bedford. And and by the way, I'll mention this just you know in conjunction with what we're, with what we're talking about with what's happening with the train, with what's happening with, with the pedestrian bridge that they're building over to that parking lot. Keep in mind that there's going to be some closures on Route 18 this week. Uh, they have signs up. The digital signs are all up uh, explaining what those are going to be, but there's going to be some portions of Route 18 that are closed, and then there's going to be some off-ramps that are closed. So uh, just keep that in mind if you, as you're heading out there. But it, it, it's funny because a month ago, maybe a little bit more than a month ago, because a month ago I was in the hospital today, but I was... I was having pizza at um, the Dipper Cafe with one of my coworkers here. And we're like, how are they going to get this bridge built in time? And if you look at how quickly things have picked up with it, I mean, they're certainly going to have it built in time. Yeah, they've done a great job. It looks like it's going to be a very solid bridge. There's just huge supports that have been built for what's going to be a suspension bridge. It's going to be beautiful. It will change the gateway to the city forever. And, you know, New Bedford is going to change. New Bedford is going to become much more densely developed and um some people say well i liked it the way it was the old way but nothing stays the same new bedford 
when you grew up in the 1940s or 50s is not the way New Bedford was in the 1910s and 1920s. It's not the way New Bedford was in the 1850s. You know, uh, we have a housing crisis now. Uh, you know, we need to have more housing. Um, maybe everybody needs to stop having babies. That's not going to happen. Like, you know, <laughs> people live longer. Uh you know, you just can't say I like it the way it is and I want it to stay the way it is. It, nothing stays the same. It, it's just the nature of reality. Uh, we're going to go into the newsroom in just a moment with Phil. But uh, before that, not bad. Nope. Bluff sent in a Napchat message. Uh, good morning, Tim. It's interesting to hear calls into WBSM accusing you and Jack of having Trump derangement syndrome. I can recall those same folks calling in with Obama derangement syndrome. So, all right. Uh, we do have to go into the newsroom now with Phil. When we come back on the other side, 508-996-0500. Take it away, Phil. Now, the biggest stories on the South Coast from the WBSM newsroom. This is WBSM News. Two Minnesota police officers and a paramedic were shot and killed while responding to a domestic abuse call early Sunday. Day, Burnsville Police Chief Tanya Schwartz expressed her sorrow. Every day we pray that they go home to their families and today that's not happening. We are all hurting. Law enforcement sources say the suspected gunman died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Police say the suspect had several guns and opened fire from multiple points in the home about 15 miles south of Minneapolis. There were seven children inside the house at the time. All were reported safe. Former Trump U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley criticizing him for not speaking out on the death of Putin opposition leader Alexei Navalny. Trey Thomas reports. GOP presidential hopeful Nikki Haley is slamming former President Trump for his silence on last week's death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. Donald Trump is going to side with a thug who kills his political opponents. Speaking on ABC's This Week, Haley called it both concerning and a problem that Trump has not responded to Navalny's unexpected death in a Russian prison. I'm Trey Thomas. Meanwhile, a human rights group says over 400 Navalny supporters have been arrested since the death, some for simply placing flowers at a memorial. Joel Osteen's Houston megachurch held Sunday services a week after a woman opened fire in the sanctuary with a rifle. The woman was shot and killed by off-duty law enforcement officers at Lakewood Church. Her seven-year-old son was also shot, but it's not clear by who. He remains in critical condition. Billed as a special service of healing, Osteen told the congregation, quote, God's got us covered. The International Court of Justice in The Hague opens hearings on the Israeli occupation of Palestinian territories today. They're part of a Palestinian effort to get the international community to examine Israel's conduct as Israel continues its war to destroy the militant group Hamas in the Gaza Strip. The judges could take several months to render an opinion, and Israel has ignored opinions about the matter in the past. Nearly all of California is under a flood watch as another atmospheric river rolls in off the coast. The Weather Prediction Center has issued an excessive rain outlook for most of the state through Tuesday. The new Bob Marley biopic came out on top of the weekend box office. Bob Marley One Love took in nearly $28 million in its opening weekend, setting the record for the biggest midweek Valentine's Day opening. The new Marvel Comics movie Madam Web opened in second place with just over $15 million. Get back, get back, get back to where you once 
Paul McCartney getting back his bass guitar after a went missing more than a half century ago. McCartney said he purchased the Hofner bass in 1961 and played it for a number of Beatles concerts and albums. It had been stolen in 1972, but a Valentine's Day statement on McCartney's website said it was returned and authenticated. The statement credited the Lost Bass Project, which was created last year, for locating the bass. Time now for WBSM Sports, brought to you by Sparks Auto in Dartmouth. The Boston Bruins host the Dallas Stars at TD Garden today at 1, and the Boston Celtics are off to Chicago to play the Bulls on Thursday. Now we check your forecast with ABC6. Mostly sunny skies this morning. Temperatures in the mid to upper 20s. Wind chill values in the upper teens. Bundle up. It's cold outside. As we head into the afternoon, plenty of sunshine. Temperatures climbing barely into the upper 30s. A few degrees below average overnight today. Clear in the upper teens. These are temperatures. Tomorrow, another beautiful sunny day, but cold. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Cecil Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station 1420 WBSM. I'm Phil Devitt for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station WBSM and get all of our content and breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. I never played it, Jack, so I figured I'd play it now. We like it. Speaking of the Rolling Stones, uh, you know what I watched last week? Because all I do is watch TV. I've been coming in, doing the show, going home, trying to relax. Uh, I watched the Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus. Uh Um, I'd seen it in bits and pieces, but never watched the whole thing start to finish. And although it was on PBS, it was interrupted by the pledge drive every few minutes. But it was uh, quite a... Quite an undertaking to put that on. Yeah, I've never seen it. I watch PBS all the time. That's interesting. It was it was on. So I was you know I record things that yeah. it's on PBS in the middle of the night for things that I've missed, and I just happened to be going through and I saw it like two in the morning they were going to have it on, so uh-huh. I set the timer for it, set the DVR for it. But it's um it's really good. It's worth watching. But the Rolling Stones shelved it after it was filmed in '68 because they felt like their performance wasn't up to par, yeah. and that they got outshined by The Who and by um, um, trying to think of the other band that was there that they felt played better than... Oh, Taj Mahal. Yeah. And, but, you know, The Who had just come off tour, so they were tight and the Stones were still coming together with a lot of this new material they were performing. Yeah, you know, I I actually think if you look at the Rolling Stones' early stuff, which was good, but um, first of all, the recording technology wasn't as good then, but as a band, as a performing band, and they're they're much tighter you know, in, in, in later years. Um, that reminds me a little bit of um, one of the things uh, in the Beatles breakup was Paul McCartney wanted to go back out in the road and Lennon didn't want to. I mean, I, I really, I love John Lennon, but I really blame him for the breakup of the Beatles more than anybody because uh, he wanted to bring Yoko, Yoko into the band. And whatever you want to say about Yoko Ono, um, she was not a great musician. And so. She she performs in the uh, in the rock and roll circus because <laughs> she's there with the Dirty Mac. That was the one time that the yeah. Dirty Mac ever performed, yeah. um, which was Lennon and Clapton and um, Keith Richards. Yeah. Just fantastic. Uh, so anyway, if you get a chance to, to see it, okay. check it out. But it's yeah. uh, you know as a Rolling Stones fan, you might you might be a little bit disappointed with with some of their performance. But yeah, um, a great version of you can't always get what you want. Yeah. At a time when nobody had really heard that song before, so. Yeah. Uh, so we were talking before um, about New Bedford and about some of the, the challenges that it faces. I want to shift gears for a second to Brockton because uh, this story is out there today. 
that, um, and, and there's a press conference coming up at 1130 from some of the school committee members in Brockton. They want to bring the national, they're asking the mayor of Brockton to ask the governor to send in the National Guard to help secure Brockton High School. They say that not only are kids just walking out of school whenever they feel like it, but people from the outside are just walking into Brockton High School. People who aren't students or faculty are just walking into the school during the school day. Uh, They say they have a problem with drugs, a problem with violence, and that the school department is $14 million underfunded this year. They don't have the money to, to, to try to put in security solutions. And so they're looking for the National Guard to come in and, and try to set things straight. I mean, could you imagine being a school kid going into school and seeing armed National Guard in your hallways or standing at the doors? Yeah, it's a different world now. I, I read that story just after, after you told I hadn't seen it, but I read it just at the um, break uh, when you told me about it. Uh, I just happened to have been at New Bedford High School recently because of some things I'm working on, stories I'm working on. And um, I was surprised at how buttoned down insecurity is. So I, I walked into the main entrance where the principal's office is. There's not one, but two security officers there. They did not like, look like New Bedford police officers. They looked like the city has hired, either hired or has the, the, school, the school department, its own security. And they were right on me, asking me what I was there for. And, um, and they were talking to kids as they came and went. Um, even so, New Bedford High School, like Brockton High School, is such a big school that it's a big job, you know, monitoring. Um, I think that they limit the exit and entrances that they can go out. So it's not like, you know, when you and I went to school when you could just go out the back door or whatever. So I think without, you know, uh, uh, busting an alarm or something. So everything was really buttoned down. And Superintendent O'Leary told me that at the beginning of the year they had um, – a problem with uh, kids just coming and going, and they, they they jumped right on it. And they have these security, these two security officers, both of which were women, by the way, uh, right there in the. Um, and they were at, they were talking to everybody as they came and went. So I don't know what the problem is in Brockton. I you know I, I mentioned to you off here that I I think that calling for the National Guard is sort of the kind of thing that you do when you really don't expect that to happen, but right. you're just trying to it's get posturing. Att- you're trying to get attention to the issue. I, I, I get that, but they've got to solve the issue is what they've got to. Whether that involves doing what New Bedford did and, and hiring their own security, uh, you know, it, it's expensive, I'm sure, but whether it involves that or, or getting part of the own Brockton police to do it uh, on overtime or however you do it. Um, that, that brings me to one of my pet peeves is that I, I think some of these high schools in these urban settings have gotten too big. And, you know, you know a school the size of Brockton High and New Bedford High, which both have large numbers of students who are not fully enculturated to Ameri- the American system yet, is a big ask, you know, to, ha- to um, be able to have that run in an orderly way. I think those schools should be smaller. I think places like Plymouth and Newton, which are, you know, Plymouth is not even as big as New Bedford. It's, it's, it's spread out geographically. But Newton is, is much smaller geographically, and it's um, about the same size as New Bedford, a little smaller. They have two high schools. Uh, Lynn, which is exactly the same size almost as New Bedford, has two high schools. I, I, I just think that that um, the high schools have gotten too big, uh, but the security problem, um, O'Leary told me that he felt they had gotten on top of it, but for someone like me who went to a, a high school with 600 kids in it, being in that 3,000-pupil high school always feels a little um, edgy to me, a little uh, 
just overwhelming, I guess, is the, is, is, is the way to put it. There's so much going on, so many people, so many corridors, so many different places to go. Like, you know, I think it's, um, you know, it's hard to, to, to um, uh, control it, but they have to control it. And um, uh, uh, O'Leary is, Superintendent O'Leary is, is satisfied that they're doing that in New Bedford. They have a new um, principal this year. Uh, they've changed the name, by the way, from headmaster to principal. Um, uh, Blockton has to do it too. Well, I think somebody was just trying to call in. I don't know if you hung up or if I did something trying to put you on hold. But uh, 508-996-0500, that's the number to call in and chime in. I'm going to take a break right now, though, and we'll be right back. And uh, we do have a caller on hold. Caller, I'm going to get to you in just one second. But as we're talking about education, I want to bring up the idea of, you know, lifting your child up and giving them wings. And doing that is as easy as filling out an enrollment application because right now, Global Learning Charter Public School is accepting applications for grades 5 through 10, and it could be the first steps toward a brighter future for your kids. Global Learning Charter School Public School is open to New Bedford residents. It is a tuition-free public charter school that serves students in grades 5 through 12. It offers a small, personalized, challenging learning environment in which students are encouraged to realize their full potential, both academically and personally. Global Learning Charter Public School supports the entire family and provides early college and career planning. So if you would like to get an application or if you would like to get some more information about Global Learning Charter Public School, you can visit glcps.org or you can call 508-991-4105. The enrollment application deadline is February 29th and the enrollment lottery will be held on March 7th. Global Learning Charter Public School, charting a course to excellence. All right, we do have some calls here on the line, Jack, so let's get into those. Good morning. You're on WBSM with Jack Spillane. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Jack. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Um, so speaking about the schools, uh, first day off, New Bedford High is a great school, uh, very locked down. I went in there to deal with some of my daughter, and again, I, I saw the same thing, two security guards interacting with the kids. But I sit here and listen, and I read the Brockton story as well. I asked myself, why are kids, and I don't have the answer for this, why does it appear that kids are more violent these days? What's the reasoning behind it? Well, it's violence everywhere, don't you think? Nowadays, though. Yeah. I mean, the, across the country. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's the media, there's, there's uh, all the um, electronic games, there's um, proliferation of guns. I know that's going to get me in trouble. I mean, but, but there's just, I mean, it's a, it's a, uh, I think we've, we've come up to a point where we glorify, uh, uh, violent solution to things as opposed to to trying to things work things out through rule of law and arbitration i think i think the culture has changed into a, a culture that that encourages violence that's my opinion no I, I don't disagree there but now how as a society we can't continue to allow this to go on because they're going to turn into adults and then it's just going to get worse we have to figure out a way to nip it in the bud now you know, is there programs? Is there anything out there that you know of that focuses on violence? Because when I was a kid, I remember them talking about drugs and violence almost on a daily basis. Yeah, right? Different programs that I just feel like I just don't hear them anymore. That's a good point. Uh, you don't you don't hear as much talk about some of those anti-drug programs. Um, uh, dr drugs and violence, to some extent, are different issues, but, but uh, frequently they're linked. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I think we need to talk more about violence. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, thank you for the call. All right. All right. Thank you. Have Goodbye. a good day. 
And uh, let's take another call here. Good morning. You're next with Jack Spillane. Well, hey, Tim and Jack. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Uh, Jack, I, I agree with you uh, on the school size thing. But, uh, you know, my uh, hometown had um, five wards and had um, uh, an elementary school in every ward. And now what they're trying to do is consolidate into one large school. And I know that's an elementary school. But when I lived in Washington State, we had a school, we had a high school that had 6,000 kids in it. And I kept thinking, how do you control something that big? Um, and I guess the other part of this is um, if, the, if the school board is, is tendering a, re- a recommendation to bring the National Guard in um, to the schools to control what's going on in their schools, they ought to do it on the backs of their resumes, uh, or excuse me, of their re- resignations. I, I, it's unbelievable. I mean, we used the National Guard once in the 60s, I think, down in Alabama because a a state was not allowing black kids to go to school, and that was a show of force to back the local police down, but or state police. But this is this is totally different. You know, they've exhausted all you know other solutions or not even thought of them, and then basically say, "Let's just call the call the military in." I mean, come on. Yeah, I I agree with everything you just said and uh and i know i don't always agree with what you say but but uh this this is this is a failure of the school committee i mean for them to go to the point of the national guard which is really for the the most utmost rare situations where you have to put down i mean we're talking about shay's rebellion or something that 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 you have to bring in the national guard uh uh, it's where they need to take a look at other big urban systems and see how they do it I, you know, it used to be that the size of a, an elementary school in New Bedford was around 250 kids, and the size of the right. high school was 2,000. Now, right. now we're up to 3,000, and the elementary schools are up to 400. And what I've been told is is that you, in some of the elementary schools, we're up to 800 and 1,000. Um, what I've been told is that that it's just too expensive to build small schools now. The cost of construction has gotten so much exponentially expensive that they can't do that. Okay, if that's where they're going, then you have a 6,000-student school. You've got to run that like a paramilitary organization. There's no other way to, 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 to do it. I mean, so if we're going to have these size schools, you've got to have security officers in them. You just can't. It's, it, well, I'm sorry. I'll just say that the, if, there's a, if there's a school that's open, and unless the school is not repairable, then that might be a, the, the, the idea is that, hey, we can't build a new school every time we need one for every ward. But at the the other other side of things is that where if, if you're budgeting and planning, then where is that money going? Is it going into another budget like uh, you know um, salaries or other things like that? So uh, yeah, I agree with you 100. percent Yeah, I mean there are also political entities like New Bedford that can't afford to run a school system anymore. I'm sure Brockton is in the same uh, situation. The mills have all left. They just don't have a tax base. They are totally dependent on the state. Then you have suburbs that are well uh, able to do it on their own. But politically, they also get money from the state because you can't get the suburbs to vote for the urban money unless they're getting some of it too. So we have all kinds of issues that continue to plague us on education, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, and and I guess I'll leave you with this: is that you see um, with the pandemic and other things, you see other types of schools popping up that don't have the infrastructure costs, but they seem to be successful. Um, I know a lot of kids that are were homeschooled their entire school career because they're professional athletes, um, and they're they're just fine. I mean, they graduated at a pretty high level. Um, so anyway, I yeah, I think there's other ways to skin the cat sometimes too. Yeah, the charter schools are building 
you know, for the money that they raise. But um, I don't know. There's two charter schools in New Bedford. There's, I think, something like 25 elementary schools. Uh, don't quote me on that. But there's a lot of elementary schools. Whether you can take that model from charter schools and, and, and put it on a big, you know, uh, map like the city of New Bedford, I, I don't know. Maybe you can. Right. All right. Thanks, thanks, guys. Thanks for the call. Have a good day. And uh, we do have to take our final break of the hour. We'll be right back. All right, we have about two minutes left with Jack Spillane before we'll give way to Chris McCarthy and South Coast Now. Uh, Jack, I know you said you're, you're working on some things. Do you want to tease anything that you're working on for this week, or do you want to uh, keep it close to the vest? Uh, I always get in trouble. I, ha- I have been working for a few weeks now on a, on a column I'm doing on um, school buildings in New Bedford and, and where we go from here because um, the estimated cost of buildings is so expensive. That That's... Uh, taken more investigation than I had realized. So uh, I have a few other ideas uh, for things that I'm going to write this week, but I I think I'll keep them close to my vest for now. Well, we can talk about them next week. (laughs) All right. And, uh, you know, just as we are now, as we said, you know, today is President's Day. Some folks are home. Some folks have the day off. School vacation week. So if there's any, uh, any time that there's a good time to talk about things going on in the schools, it's this week because it's when the teachers aren't in class and some of them are listening and reading New Bedford Light and they can actually get involved and interact in the discussion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, school vacation week, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a beautiful thing. I used to love having the Saturday morning show because we could talk about school issues and have teachers actually call in because yeah. they weren't in class yeah. and they were listening. So we, we always had really good, uh, interesting discussions there. So teachers, feel free to call in all this week. Uh, that's going to do it for us. We are out of time. Uh, of course, as I said, Chris McCarthy's coming up with South Coast now. I'll be back tomorrow. Don't forget, too, we are working at some point this week to have the director of the new docuseries on Apple TV+. Plus regarding the Patriots, the dynasty. He's going to be joining us to talk about turning that book into this docuseries and getting everybody to sit in front of the camera. And if you've watched some of those episodes uh, so far, you've seen there, there are some uncomfortable moments. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.